Welcome back. It's Too Early, episode 10 of our Black Stories series. It's Lonnie, Naya, Bree, and Nelly. And today we are talking about systemic racism and how us Black people are treated in this country, in this world, in this society. You know, we need to talk about it. Um, So I guess we can start off with a question that I have for you guys. What Do you believe that reparations is a start to improving systemic racism? in our country along with like improving the wealth gap or like how do you what line of or are you on about reparations and like the status of it I don't feel like it'll improve I just feel like it's something tangible that black people feel like that we can do now but at this point we can't even do it now anymore because this pandemic that's shut the economy <laughs> down da, da, da. so it's an even harder fight but I will say um that after reading the interview between Barack Obama and Ta-Nehisi Coates, um, and Bar- Obama was just saying how it's e- when he was in office, it's much easier, and not easier, but like um, productive to reach for programs that help the general um, inconvenience and the general um, pov- poor people and stuff like that, rather than looking and saying, oh let's go to the black community and give them reparation for what happened 400 years ago like it's mm-hmm. just it makes more sense in this climate to do things for the public that in turn help black people rather than pinpointing a certain community and saying let's um attack this issue so i agree with that i like that aspect of reparations because it's like once reparations are done what's, what's next? next like yeah. It doesn't make sense to be like, oh, I'll give you this money, but is there more? Like, what's what's mm-hmm. what's the benefit in the in, at the end of the day besides monetary? Yeah, because reparations for me gives like apology, like let me kind of do this, like not an eye for an eye, but something that's like, okay, well, let me amend this this way, but like these problems are going to continue to happen, therefore there needs to be a continuous thing. But to say, oh, you need to continue saying sorry for me for the rest of my life and my kids' life is just kind of hard to like do so Mm -hmm. I think that exactly that doing stuff that's happening right now because you can't change the past anyway so just kind of going um and attacking issues that are like really helping us today and that's going to help our future I think is a good idea but without being like well I'm helping you now and disregarding what happened Mm -hmm. in the past I mean I think that in in the aspect of the wealth gap it would be beneficial to some extent because the reality is that people that descended from white people they did have they have a foot up like the fact Mm -hmm. that they have generational wealth already and they've been having it for hundreds of years they're talking about businesses that were literally around during slavery still providing for their families and still able to like still their kids still don't work or they work for the family company so if we were to receive reparations i think that it would give a portion of the pop of the black population the ability to provide for their family but on the other hand you give some black people money and it's gonna go towards louise and gucci so i see i see both sides of it now if it's done in a way to where it's like maybe they give 
reparations via stocks and bonds or like something that's more like mm-hmm. bigger than just I'm a, like it's not a stimulus check like right. I don't think that they need to give every black person in America a $5,000 stimulus check and be like that's because of slavery but more so like what ways is it going to benefit the community as a whole so whether that's when you are born or something you already have like like technically after slavery, they were supposed to get pieces of land and like mm-hmm. things that actually benefited families. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't get anything. They got their freedom, freedom. and that was supposed to be enough. Papers. And that really wasn't right. right. And freedom wasn't really anything. So I think some type of reparations in terms of long-term, like even if land, I'd be happy if the government gave me a little mm-hmm. piece of land to build a house on mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. So like, something that has monetary value but it's not necessarily i can just go in the mall and blow it Mm -hmm. because it has to be some type of because people would just be i feel like if you give them a check they're going to just look for another one like versus something that can grow in value i mean they always say money doesn't buy you happiness it doesn't necessarily fix things like i think that it would have to in order for it to be beneficial it would have to be something that is a continuous thing and something that actually changes the system because mm-hmm. if it's like you know they do give stimulus or they do give land like the system is still a problem i feel like there that has to be like what's attacked because it's the system and the people that were in charge of the system <clears throat> did you hear my voice start to crack <laughs> the people that were in charge of the system that are still doing the same kind of things. Like that's what really needs to be mm-hmm. attacked and paid attention to when we're talking about systemic racism. It's about the system and how we can change that to improve our livelihood and our generations after us livelihood because it's not enough to say sorry or, you know, here's a check or, you know what I mean? Like that doesn't even give, it's almost like a rich kid whose parents never give them love but give them mm-hmm. money you know what mm-hmm. i mean it doesn't really do anything but i do i do think that when we're talking systemic racism versus the wealth gap it is kind of two different lanes in the sense of i 100 agree with you that the system is messed up and it has always been messed up especially for black and brown people in general however the only way the wealth gap gets fixed though is technically with money like it's it's the wealth, like the the having items that value money, whether that's mm-hmm. real estate or land or, like I said, investments. You're talking about like companies that literally own everything, almost states, like states mm-hmm. worth of land, and and at the end of the day, that's what equates to big money and power. Yeah, and power. Like if I own this. Like, that's something that's tangible. Like, you cannot take this away from me. Somebody can take your money away from you, but it's about our community having things that cannot be taken from us. Mm-hmm. Or, like, opening opening uh, options for them to make money because you can give, what is it, give a man a fish, but you got to teach him how to fish or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, I think giving land and stuff like that would definitely be a good start. But, like, what else, What what are some things you guys think that could be done that would be a continuous step in the right direction where it's like uh, an example could be like making it easier for black people to get jobs or going into uh lower income communities and opening centers or you know stuff like that what are some options that you guys think that would help us 
in the long run in 10 years 20 30 education yeah i think I it starts with the schools yeah mm-hmm. like it's if you education. look at the public education offered in black communities versus the public education mm-hmm. offered in white communities it's such a big difference like go to a school that's in section 8 and see how it's five kids sharing one book or how their books are literally falling apart um and I, a great example of this is um Freedom Riders. Yeah. Right. Like, she literally was talking about how they gave all of the kids the worst books that they could find. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they got brand new books, like, those little things make kids feel like they matter. So when you put mm-hmm. them in a school that the teachers are paid less, teachers are paid way too little in general. For the but then you look at those schools, in. they are paid even less. Mm-hmm. And then, so they're not paid well. There's 20 to 30 students in each classroom there's no time for teachers to put attention on them and when they misbehave the first step that authorities take is like it's talk about yeah like is or put them in this program that's almost juvenile like Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. it's always the extreme they don't black kids don't get the opportunity to make mistakes and then not be um, their criminal like it's I feel like there's always extremes. Mm-hmm. Like no, the baby girl that didn't do her homework. Mm-hmm. The baby girl. How did she five, 15 years old mm-hmm. who got sent? She was already on probation. Yes, we don't know what she was going to be for or whatever. But at the end of the day, you should not be throwing a 15-year-old in juvenile detention because she didn't do her homework. homework. And that, that violated her probation. Like, why is that even a violation of probation? Mm-hmm. At the end of the like, you cannot want to help the chick, help the kids and then do stuff that deteriorates the kid. Like, it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. It doesn't make any sense. And I think as far as also within the educational system, it's the things that are being taught within the school too. Like, even from elementary to middle to high school, like, I feel like our community and any community should be learning about things that they can actually take with them and that are valuable within their life and they can learn from. Um, I was watching the, uh, what's it called? It was a series on Netflix. Killer Mike. He has mm-hmm. a series on Netflix and he did a, um, an episode about where he went into an elementary school and was talking to like little kids. And basically they were saying like their dreams of like who they aspire to be. Like one of them wanted to be a scientist and cure cancer. And he was basically saying like within these schools, they need to learn like tangible things that they can take with them such as like creating things or like you know whether it's carpentry or like plumbing or stuff like that that can take that can be taken with you because realistically if you learn algebra in high school when are you going to be able to use y equals mx plus b mm-hmm. i literally have only used it once but that's because i was trying to figure out how much i made an hour <laughs> why did you have to use Y Because it be, it, be, it be changing. And that was, my, that was my go-to. It honestly, y'all, do not forget. Do not forget it. Just don't forget it because it definitely helped me in a little issue I that I had. Google. And what happens when you don't have Google? Or we can't afford Google. Google. Google's free. Afford? If right. I don't have Wi-Fi well, yeah, yeah, or a phone. I mean, technically, yeah. you could go to the library. I mean, there's ways. If there's yeah. no library, if I, I need to figure it out true. right this now. This is true. This I is ain't true. YMX plus B, C, D, E, F, G. I'm just going to ask. I'm just saying, don't go through all of that time and not take anything with you. Like, yes, we're not learning things completely that we need to be learning, like stuff that actually truly matters in everyday life. But because you're already going through that that process don't just throw it away because there's so much i have forgotten that i'm just like 
why did I waste all my life in school? I mean, yeah, but I think I also think that more programs can be incorporated into schools like financial literacy. Mm-hmm. A lot Definitely. of black people who grow up, they don't even know the simplest of financial literacy or that even, they need. Like or even home ec. Like I don't understand right. why schools don't have home ec anymore. Like it's mm-hmm. important. Like that carpentry. Like I thought I used to watch this declassified, and I just knew school was <laughs> gonna be like that. I was like so mm-hmm. excited to go to high school. I thought we was gonna have all these bomb electives. And then you get in But even more realistic, when Suleyn had all them kind of programs, I would see people building cars, like yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then they take that stuff out and they'd be like, oh, here you go. We're trying to do other stuff that's better when then nothing is better. Because, well, because realistically, like such things as that, if you have programs in schools, it wouldn't be a forcible thing where you graduate high school and you think you have to go to college and major mm-hmm. in English or major in business. Like, if you learn those things from the jump and you know that that's something that you want to do and make a living out of, you can go straight into it as soon as you graduate Very high school. Very few mm-hmm. kids know about trade school. Right. Very few. Mm-hmm. And it's a lucrative field. But even like um, Gwen Park has the cosmetology program. Mm-hmm. Why? And there's so many people that I know that went to Gwen Park that literally are thriving. Like they have their own business in mm-hmm. the beauty fields and stuff. Like that's the type of stuff. And I feel like we as people who live in PG County have an upper hand because it is a more wealthy black community. Mm-hmm. So if, even if you look at some of our schools, it's like, dang. But think about in other states where if we're pretty much the top, it only gets lower from right. there. Like the school, the value of their education just gets lower. So it's like, why aren't they learning these things? Like, why doesn't mm-hmm. every school have a cosmetology program or a plumber pro or you know like even mm-hmm. if it's not you graduate high school you can automatically automatically be a plumber but like having them have programs that kind of connect to each other to where it's like college is not the only option exactly. and everyone mm-hmm. cannot do college one it's expensive and two everyone is not built for that like after being in school for what what is it like real like 16 15 16 years mm-hmm. really if you started in pre-k not, not everybody wants to do another four, five, six, seven years of school. You want to know what I think is like an issue in terms of, and this is just my opinion, but I feel like for black children, especially black men, they're only viewed as like their way out is sports. And then when it goes to like school programs and stuff like that, not saying that I don't think that there should be money in sports, but it just seems like if they're going to get anything, it's going to be that. But there needs to be some type of way where doors are open for other people that don't like sports or are not mm-hmm. athletic and that mm-hmm. are more savvy when it comes to computers or IT or cosmetology and stuff like that. So I think that that also needs to be a thought when people are like, okay, well, what can we add in school? Yes, we want people to be athletic, but even like gym, you know what I mean? Like that stops, at least for my high school, it stopped. We only had to take like two years of that I think for like a semester or a quarter whatever it is like I definitely think that those are things that should stay but I think that there needs to be times where they open doors for other people that are not the athletes of the school and I feel like that's what is like the main idea for black children like oh put them in sports put them in sports put them <laughs> in sports but like there's people who are so creative and have different ways that their mind works that is just not catered to in the black community but I also think if you add those programs in, it needs to be the idea presented to them that there are avenues within that particular program because a lot of black, well, a lot of black kids they go into sports because that that's all they see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
they like, see those different avenues. So if they go into performing arts, they don't know that there's different things that they can do: performing arts, mm-hmm. visual arts, dance, mm-hmm. singing, like performing arts management. Right. There's there's a whole bunch of avenues, but I think that those avenues aren't presented to them in the right way, where they can say, "Hey, like this is something that I could possibly do and see myself doing other than sports," mm-hmm. because that's all they see. Realistically, you have to open the door first, though. Mm-hmm. You, you know have what to I mean? Think that. For a lot of black parents, all they want to see is their kids graduate college because you have to understand, as long as college has been around right now, the fact that black families are just now having first generation Mm -hmm. graduates just goes back to we never had the same opportunity as white families. Mm -hmm. So it's like a lot of times the only way schools do give black people money is sports. Like you have to think about most of the black Mm -hmm. athletes are in college for free and that's only because of sports like there's not um i mean there's academic scholarships out there but what about the other people who have interest in other things like Mm -hmm. scholarships are literally academic in sports yep and that's why schools that's why it's very important and i'm glad to see a lot of these top ranked black athletes are choosing hbcus now Mm -hmm. because literally white institutions use like yeah they feed off them like the reason that athletic programs get so much money and that athletic fees are such a big part of student tuition is because they use their black students Mm -hmm. to make their institutions money Mm -hmm. i think another thing just to reroute a little bit back to the question is we really got to pay attention to who we putting in these schools like Mm -hmm. there are not enough dedicated educators Mm -hmm. in black Mm -hmm. schools and people who care about the kids like and even it's not even enough like not to kick white educators out but it's not enough black educators in black schools Mm -hmm. like you may not want to go back and you you know got ptsd or whatever but it's necessary for you to go back to your community teach the people who look like you so they can see you being successful Mm -hmm. and see that you care about them Mm -hmm. so i want to counter that only because a big reason why they don't is because those schools and those counties don't they don't pay well like or if you teachers are literally buying their own supplies their own books so it's like i i agree with you but you gotta really be in a good place like at some point people are thinking like okay i have to be able to live for myself and provide for myself so i think that's where it gets to like muddy waters because it's like i want to give back to my community but at the same time I'm $100,000 in debt from going to college mm-hmm. and they're going to pay me $25,000 a year. Like you and like I can see both sides. So it's like in general we have to put more stop putting so much money into prisons and put more money into our education system and I think that's such a big part of it about putting money into education. The US puts so much money into militaries and armies and mm-hmm. prisons and everything else outside of education. And I'm pretty sure if you pay these teachers more for them to live off of and you also give those incentives of taking care of school supplies, taking care of books for students, taking care of technology and equipment for teachers, especially during this pandemic, because now we're in in the middle of whether schools are going to open back up, what certain counties are going to do as far as virtual learning. And also, you also have to think about in these low income neighborhoods as well, if students are learning virtually and then you have single parents at home and they also have to work from home it's kind of hard to get those resources for their children to be able to get a proper education when you also have to fend for yourself and you have to keep your job to keep a roof over your head and food in your mouths so it's 
As much as we care for the kids, we have to care for our educators just as much because at the end of the day, what do they say? Put your mask on before you put their mask on. If they're sitting out here suffering, what makes you think that they can come into a room with multiple kids and actually give them something beneficial? Like Mm -hmm. it boggles my mind that teachers are paid so little when our futures are in their hands, basically Mm -hmm. because they're they're building the next generation up. So that definitely has to change. But how many times have you heard like a lot of a lot of successful black people the first thing that they say is I've had teachers tell me I wasn't going to be nothing. Yeah. Like I had teachers tell me I was going to end up in jail, I was going to end up in prison, I was yeah. going to end up on the street. So it's like a lot of these people that are teaching our children don't care about them. And black and brown kids need a little more love when it comes to mm-hmm. like we're already coming from we're 10 steps behind already. Mm-hmm. Like these, a lot of the white families are able to afford tutors and they're not worried about how they're gonna make ends meet and homeschool their children and make sure that little Johnny goes to fourth grade. And like mm-hmm. that, those aren't their concerns. Like there are literally kids in the fall that are gonna be home by themselves all day. They are gonna be five and six years old because their parents can't afford right. not to go to work. Like it's, that is a whole different topic in itself. This whole virtual learning mm-hmm. for girl for these kids, but mm. what we gonna do, y'all? <laughs> at this That's point. the question at this point. It it's about the funding. Like there, you can't. I feel like, and it sucks, but everything really does root back to money. Like mm-hmm. if you don't have access to resources you really can't do anything and like mentioning like it's a, a whole bunch of cases out here with specifically black parents who are not breaking the law per se but i mean at this point you got to do what you got to do for your kids they're forging paperwork in order to get their kids into better schools because they know that this their neighborhood school is not going to be a proper education for them they want better for their kids but at the same time like they're getting locked up for 15 20 years at a time because they forge one piece of paperwork because they want to see their kids do better but versus you have a white family who pays a school thousands and thousands of dollars in order for little sarah to get admitted into princeton and at the top yeah, of their we class seen that. we've seen that whole schedule play out <laughs> and where they at now i bet you ain't in jail what happened with them I think she got probation. probation. She got probation, and that's it. But you have black parents who just genuinely just want their five year old to go to a different elementary school down the street or like two blocks over. I didn't go to my zone school, and if I had my for high school, and if I had it, my life would be nothing like it Mm -hmm. is now. Like Mm -hmm. literally, I was the opportunities I needed were not at my Mm -hmm. neighborhood school, and every child every child does not learn the same and they cannot be given the same opportunities because every child is not the same. And there's a difference between survival mode and selfish mode. And I feel Mm -hmm. like because, sorry to say, white people, you have had so much more access to certain resources that you almost feel entitled and that when you try to do something sneaky, it's not because you want the best for your child. It, It feels like you can and because you in turn are almost this enabler versus a black mom or whatever mom trying to like fend for their child that they will forge a piece of paper or lie about where they are Mm -hmm. just so that they can have like that survival mode which Mm -hmm. i feel like we're on 
all the time versus someone being selfish and getting a slap on the wrist. Mm -hmm. Or even the fact that, and this goes back to the whole sports thing, a child can be as smart, like Princeton level smart, and you could all want them to go to the neighborhood public school. But if a football player is talented, he can go to any county yeah. he wants. Yeah, it's some way for them to write off papers and sign off on stuff to make sure that he can play football or basketball at this school. But it's, it's just another example of how it's like black men in sports are just looked at as trophies. Mm -hmm. Like to everyone and not even it sucks because it's not even to just white communities like they're looked at as trophies by yeah. the whole black community because mm -hmm. they're the ones that made it out mm -hmm. if they do make it out afterwards because you have a lot of athletes mm -hmm. where they cater to you in high school then they cater to you in college and then what happens because if you don't make it to the nfl then yeah what? and then everybody right. acts like you don't exist anymore exactly. or like you drop the ball like dang you had so much potential mm -hmm. like what else did you do to look out for me and again it's not solely on them but they have so much more work to do like we can't fall into this this um what am i trying to say like the this revolving door of like oh my life oh my life like this mm -hmm. is something that it like it's just supposed to be this way because i'm this like we still also have to do our part and fight and stand up and don't matter how many times we fall down we have to get up that extra time mm -hmm. but it's almost not it's not our complete fight you know what i'm saying like we both have to be adding into the the cookie jar. I think that's something that would be interesting to unpack. And this is more so like a note for us, like mm -hmm. for us to talk to who some NFL or NBA bound players who didn't make it. Like that's trauma that you have to do. Your whole yeah. life you're told you're gonna make it to the NBA, right. BA, you're gonna make it to the NFL, and then it's like you're that that's senior what you, year that's of what college. You're banking on. Yeah, you're bank. You, I mean, you talking about hoop dreams, football mm -hmm. is life, mm -hmm. like. These men literally train us all they do. They wake up at 5 a.m. and football, football, football. They have practices all day, and that's mm -hmm. all that they know. Mm -hmm. And even the idea that in college, I know, even in high school, I know so many athletes who didn't do work and just got a slap on the wrist or just extended turn-in dates. And just, like, they make it so easy. And they kind of ena they enable athletes. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, if you don't make it, that's your fault. But, but in then, my eyes, I feel like I've always looked at it like that's the people around them fault. Like it's the, it's not their fault because that's what they were fed. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. I feel like as parents and educators, you got to come from a place of love where it's like, yes, that could be the case, but you also need to have a backup plan. I know me and my mom raised my little brother to the point where he plays baseball and he's played it all his life and he wants to go to college for it but we told him it's a real possibility that you might not be able to do that and we've always said you need to have a backup plan because that's not the reality for everyone mm -hmm. and so it's really important for the people around these athletes and even like the young like AAU boys like tell them that there's other avenues to go and get them involved in other stuff so they can see what else yeah, they like that part and I, that's a that. personal experience for me because I danced in school I danced outside of school and everyone's like you going to college for dance and I'm like eh, I don't know I thought about it started out with general then went to communications and ended up in sign language like who would have thought right. you know what I mean but now it's opened so many doors where I'm like I could be solely sign language or I could teach dance to deaf mm -hmm. kids or you know what I mean mm -hmm. like it has already put me to this level versus being like well you've done this your whole life and you should continue mm -hmm. and there's this guy his name is Greg Whittington and he went to my school 
His brother was in my grade. He literally went through high school, like star basketball player. His teachers would tell him like, you know, you ain't really going to do nothing, whatever. And now he's in like the, I don't want to say it's wrong, but it's like NBA or like something right under it or whatever. He might be in the NBA, I don't know. But he's like really doing that. But in my head, I'm thinking like, let's say that he didn't make it. Mm-hmm. He right. has now wasted his time mm-hmm. not adding that extra skill to him. Mm-hmm. And that's really like, it's it's just sad because that happens a lot of the time. Because everyone thinks day, that's the same parents one way. Yeah, you yeah. have to give your children space to figure out what they like and what they don't because i will say and i am very grateful for my parents for this like when i say i did everything i did golf gymnastics swimming tumbling like anything that i wanted to do they Mm -hmm. fully supported it i mean karate like anything (laughs) i did every extracurricular and it was not and i always kind of danced but then it wasn't until high school that i was literally like i'm gonna take dance serious or like this is it before i settled on anything else i mean track and cheer you have to give your like i know now know what i like and what i don't like Mm -hmm. and you have to give your kids that space and nelly i love that you said that like giving them the opportunity to try other things because i do feel like parents see their child's interest in one thing and Mm -hmm. they they tunnel in on that it's like well you they didn't i mean he's been playing football since he was three so how do you not how do you know if he even likes anything else that's Mm -hmm. all he knows Mm -hmm. like and i feel like that's part of that ignorance in the black community because we get stuck on well that's all we know or it's like we don't like to try new things or Mm -hmm. it's oh black people don't do that why don't black people right. do that? And it goes or, full circle. Yeah, or even that's, that's that white people stuff. Or like, mm-hmm. what is white people stuff? I grew up as a figure skater. Right. That's one of the whitest things <laughs> there is. But it taught me so much stuff that I didn't learn in school. So we have to also think about that. If, we're, if we know for a fact we're only learning the basics in school, we're not learning life lessons necessarily. I know for a fact you learned that in football. I learned it in skating, I learned it in dance, I learned discipline, time management, mm-hmm. commitments, like there's mm-hmm. so much that I learned just opening and broadening it out that in the black community, that's what we lack. And I feel like, at least for us four, we know that we can give back to our community in ways. And that is a call for action for everybody watching this video, give back to your community, start in your house, start with your neighbors, start with your friends, your kids, your cousins, your family, because that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. That's where it starts. And that's a good point that you really learn, like, basic values of, like, doing this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Like, yeah. it's some stuff you can't teach your kid, but I bet you that football coach can teach you. I bet you that karate coach. Okay. Them karate instructors? I'd be like, listen. My dad was you a karate me together, I'm just watching instructor. the video, okay? <laughs> I went twice. And, <laughs> and that's and okay. That's it. Yeah, I was like, that's it. This and is it. Is so okay. I, can't, I can't do that. My dad taught karate at our elementary school after schools every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Girl. And I think also, I think a lot of parents are scared to try new things because they don't want to fail or they don't want to feel like they fail their mm-hmm. kids because of the fact that they may try playing the violin and they don't like it. So they don't waste their money or they waste yeah. their time. So, I mean, I, I kind of get both sides because as a parent, you don't want to, you want to make sure that you are giving your child what they want or what you see for them without wasting the time and wasting yeah. the money. But at the same time, it's kind of beneficial to your child to, you know, have but that I, open. I think people need to stop looking at their kids as an investment mm-hmm. and like... I feel like that's where that mindset comes from because it's, it's like, I'm, if I'm putting all this money into you, you're going to be successful and you're going to take care of me when I get old. When that's not 
that sh- should not be your child's obligation. That's not no. their life purpose. I mean, you should. I mean, you should want to take care of, but it's not like it's a. Not your, it's obligation. not an obligation. It should be you were there for me. You supported me. You may always made sure I was good. So the I'm way that I repay you is through my success mm-hmm. and like how successful can, I am. That should be, be natural, though. You yeah. should not be entitled to your child's success. Or like, look at you them. had that child. Yeah, that child didn't they had absolutely. Okay. And y'all are separate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, that's my the same, child. And I did that. And the same thing with like college, like going to college. A lot of, especially a lot of Black parents in the community. They say, oh, well, that's my degree. I pay, uh-huh. I put them through school. Are you going to walk? I'm going to see you walk this, across that, that stage. Thing. No, you wasn't with me in the classroom. And you if you would, you don't have to take credit for it. You just discredit your child. Like, yeah. yeah. And they, they work hard. Yeah. And they want to be able to appreciate that. Because I promise you, you, you did it. It's not helpful. It was a lot of stuff in college that mm-hmm. they don't know that we went through. That's or true. they don't know that we experienced. Or, or them tests that we took that we just <laughs> knew it wasn't. It wasn't nothing but an F word. Don't come and throw our names at this point. The class that we took that we knew was just not. Ooh, we knew know. we submitted that eleven fifty nine paper at two a.m. But mm-hmm. we gonna pray over it. Like, mm-hmm. like I just think that children go through so much that parents are unaware about, and mm-hmm. it's just like they think they have it all figured out. And I saw a tweet recently. It was like, I want to raise children that don't have to go to therapy because of the way I raised them. And mm-hmm. I just feel like that's... That's the goal. Yes. <laughs> like... That is the and, goal. And I don't discredit any parents because it's not easy. Like, I know... I, mm, mm. There's, no per- there's no perfect no, way of parenting. And there's no one way of parenting. Yeah. Everybody parents differently. So... So... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying so. Uh, so... <laughs> so, so. Um, I just wanted to bring us back a little bit to... I have a question for everyone. I want everybody to answer. But what... Or have you had an experience in America where you realized that your skin was what disabled you, in a sense? Or, like, that kind of held you back? Or, like, that experience where you knew it's because you were Black that you didn't get this? Or that, like, you know... Yeah, definitely. Growing up, figure skating. I literally started when I was seven. And I grew up in Columbia, like, going to school there. So it was very diverse. I never really had to take a look at myself and say, well, I'm different because I'm Black. Because you were my friend and you was my friend. And the parents didn't care whose house we were over. Until I started being on competitive teams. I started doing competitions by myself. And I literally, this is, like, no cockiness. I would have a clean program, which means, like, no falls, no like all my jumps are clean. I made all my rotations, everything. And I would get like 10th place versus the girl, the white girl that fell on three jumps and stuff. And you get really big deductions for stuff like that. So I experienced that a lot during competitions when I went to being like an artistic competitor, which like more so like theater thing. I did the whiz and Some judges used to just like not like it at all and would give me really low scores on creativity. Um, And then it just got to a point where I got older where I started realizing like, okay, we all have to wear the same outfit, but like it looks good on them. Or it would be like a reverse kind of like, wow, that color looks so good on your skin or, you know, stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. it really started to bother me because I was like, okay, now I'm different. I'm, I'm having different treatment. Like I'm always the one that singled out. And on top of that, inside of the whole club there was only like three or four black people in the whole entire club like over hundreds of people and that really started to take a toll on my mental and I'll never forget 
one of my friend's moms, what's her name? Miss Sally. She looked at me one day because I was really upset. It was some something we had to wear where I was like, my skin's too dark. Like, I'm going to be too noticeable. And she was like, baby girl, when you get older, you are going to learn to love your skin and realize that all of us just want it. And I'm like, no. Well, she was right. <laughs> so that that's my biggest experiences growing up. Um, I, I feel like mine is kind of related to yours in the dance sense. Mm-hmm. Um, in high school, me and Janelle went to the same high school. So, you know, we went to all those conventions and, you know, all that other stuff in Miami and Norfolk and whatever. And during those conventions, you would do different auditions to get scholarships to summer intensive at like Joffrey Ballet or at, you know, Dallas Black Theater or like different, different, you know, theaters and programs. And of course, it's a lot of white people, white girls who are a little skinnier. And I think that's where the different factors and characteristics of me come in. I'm darker skin, I'm thicker, and I'm, you know, I'm black. So I'm in the dance world, especially in the ballet world, that's, you don't really see that Mm -hmm. type of figure. Um, So auditioning for scholarships, I wouldn't really get a lot of scholarships to the white programs, but opposed to the black programs, of course, I got a little bit or I would get selected to be in a, like a select group or whatever, um, as as well as taking classes and contemporary and lyrical and ballet classes. I wouldn't get picked to be in the small groups, but when it comes to the hip hop and the jazz and the African, mm-hmm. I was the first one to be called, or we would always be in the front row, you know, showing off. Did so, you, you guys ever experience that with dance, like being the black girl, so you have to be in front for the hip hop section or anything like that? Um, always went to black studio, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. not yeah, really, same. but um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious because I I hate when I see that with certain studios, and I'm like, y'all literally just mm-hmm. put her in the middle because yeah. she's black. They try yeah. to push the the diversity. Yeah. Oh yeah, we did a hairspray show one time, and I had to be a dynamite girl, and sis was up in the front for thirty seconds, and that was it. I said, oh, that's my solo, cool. Um. I will say that I have always been um, surrounded by black folks. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, not like per se, but I did notice when I studied abroad, I studied abroad in Europe um, my sophomore year, and I did notice the difference between the, um, like in America, you could feel racism. Like when you walk into a room with white people, you can feel it. In Europe, you can't. Like, it's very much so, like, everybody is just normal or something. Like, and I'm sure it exists. Like, I'm sure people in Europe be like, girl, please. But I really felt like over there, I will say this. I felt the racism more from black people than I did white people hmm. over there. Wow. Like, I think I that's got, more of a American. It's because you're more so you're American. Yeah. Your skin. And so, no, no. Because this one lady, um, I don't even know where I was at or what I was doing. But this one African lady came up to me, and I felt like it was supposed to be a white person because she came up to me and she was like, "Oh, you're so pretty. What can I? What's your hair?" This is. I'm like, a lot you're of a black women. You know not to touch me. Yeah. Like, but a lot of black people in this country do that too. Well, that's I ain't never had this. Especially if you have like, like, if you have the pr- that pretty hair, mm. that real coily, like juicy curls. Because right. I get that. Break. I get that. And when I wear my natural hair out. <laughs> I did. I had in box braids. I was like, but I mean, it, it, yeah, you get it in this country too. And it's so unfortunate from black people. Yeah, but I had never experienced a black person do that to me. I was like, this is very uncomfortable. I want you to get away from me. But is that a sign of 
racism not, not or racism, privilege or uh, what would be the word what is the word for that because I just want to be calling when white people do it the idea of a white woman coming up to you and touching your hair or even a black woman what is the word for that because most of it it's not I think racist. it's more so privilege because it's like you feel like you are entitled to privilege and ignorance I would say ignorance ignorance, ignorance. ignorance. Yeah. Because it's the fact that you don't know that that's something that you don't do. Mm-hmm. Like it's and it, and it's ignorance, entitlement, prejudice, like not prejudice. What did you say? Privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all three of those. Yeah. So to answer my question that I asked, I feel like I've experienced it on an education level. I think because we can sit here and I can and we I can hand and dialect y'all all day but I, when I'm in a room especially going to GW I think it's so surprising to people and it's almost an insult it's like a backhanded insult because it's like you're so educated or like you're very like those very articulate yeah those are like that <laughs> underlying racism because it's like why don't you expect me to be educated and why don't you know because one thing I pride myself on is knowing a little bit about a bunch of things mm-hmm. like I may not be able to tell you exactly how to do something or give you the whole history but I, I know a little bit about it to where I can have a conversation with somebody so it's like the fact that I can talk to you about something or I can call you out on your ignorance it's like oh like you're taken back by the mm-hmm. fact that I knew that information like that's the biggest thing to me even when I go to job interviews and people are like oh you went to GW I'm like yeah like like yeah what, and, it's, and what? so <laughs> it's not a it's not an all white school I mean it's predominantly right, white, white but, but I'm allowed white. to attend the school so it's like more so like the backhanded like when people just act like they're so shocked and so surprised and it's like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I won't say that I feel like I have a better appreciation for PG County oh, when yeah. I grew up because I realized like, we really don't have to deal with a lot of that yeah. because we are a predominantly mm-hmm. black county. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, just this past weekend, like when the police were called on our movie night, it was a black cop. Like, so I had no, as soon as he walked up, I had no concern. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, I mean, sometimes black cops do. Mm-hmm. Some of them be working for the man. So there's a small sense but, of comfort. Yeah, yeah. there yeah. is. When yeah. you see someone that looks like you, there's a sense of comfort. So like PG County residents are a little privileged in terms mm-hmm. of, of compared to other yeah. black communities. Because for when sure. we go other places, I think if mm-hmm. we really like were there and like, in the places where people that not for travel but like in the gutter with people Mm -hmm. that look like us I think we would be taken back Mm -hmm. and like be in shock of like oh our people every place is not PG County Mm -hmm. like it's some sort of privilege that comes with being from here that's why when all that riot and the looting happened, everybody was like, don't bring that to PG. Okay. <laughs> like, everybody keep was that, like, keep, keep that over there. there. Keep it in D.C. <laughs> keep it in other sides of Maryland. We work too hard for this. <laughs> <laughs> With that said, season two, episode 10 is a wrap. Thank you guys for listening, watching, for all that there. Peace out.